Welcome to the Keisha Wright Show, a weekly faith-based podcast for sisters, where we talk about everything concerning women. You name it, we'll cover it. There's no issue or topic off limits to God. And on this podcast, we'll expand the conversations. I'm your host and humble servant, Keisha Wright, licensed mental health therapist in the state of Maryland and transformation coach. As a therapist, it is my responsibility to advise you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for services from your very own mental health professional. Hello, 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 beautiful people. It's me, Keisha, your humble servant and host. And as I always do, I want to extend a heartfelt thank you and express genuine appreciation for you tuning in and supporting my my show. So this is the segment of our of my recording where I inquire about how you're doing. This was the topic of my very first episode where I went into explaining the difference between mental health, mental illness. We talked about that in great detail. And I encourage you to check out the very first episode if you have not already, because it kind of sets the tone and is the foundation for all of the other episodes that come after that one. So let's get with it. How are you doing today? How are you really doing? You know, we do these check-ins every week where I ask you to evaluate how you're doing. Because as women, a lot of times we are caretakers and we are so busy taking care of other people that we neglect to take care of ourselves. So this is the, the, the time in the recording where I want you to take a few minutes to really think about how you're doing. So last week during our check-in segment, I asked you to evaluate your thoughts and how your thought life impacts how you view yourself. This week, I want you to consider how you cope during times of high stress, trouble, distress. How do you cope during times of high stress or trouble or distress, whichever term you choose to to use. So I have nine questions here that I wanna ask you about what happens to you when you are stressed out or when you are distressed. Question one, do you have low or no energy? Two, do you have a difficult time falling asleep or staying asleep? Three, are you experiencing aches and pains that you can't complain, you can't explain? Four, are you having increased feelings of helplessness or hopelessness? Five, are you having difficulty in your home or work life? Six, are you self-medicating using alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, sex, etc., to escape? the distress. Seven, are you experiencing feelings of guilt and you really just don't know why? Eight, are you experiencing excessive worry? And nine, are you self-isolating? So I want you to give some thoughts to some thought to these questions. 
You can answer them either yes or no, or in your private time, you can expound on your answers. So if you answered yes to any of these, you know, really give it some thought and see what you need. There's no guilt. There's no shaming here. There's no condemnation. This is all about you getting to a place where you can experience peace and a better quality of life. So please think about those questions and evaluate them and you'll see why as I get further into the recording. So as I always do, I want to just give some quick nuggets from last week's episode. Last week, the title was Self-Forgiveness or Not, Part 2. And I shared last week that that while I agree that self-forgiveness is important, some of us have a difficult time offering ourselves, our own selves, forgiveness. I pointed out that self-forgiveness is not mentioned in the Bible and that there are two kinds of forgiveness, um, as I have seen in the Bible, which are forgiveness, which is forgiveness that God extends to us and forgiveness that we are to extend to one another. And so... As I said last week, if I am in error um, in what I just said about the kind of forgiveness that I've seen in the Bible, if there's something else in it that speaks directly to self-forgiveness, please feel free to correct me. You can email me and, and correct me, show me the scripture, and I will definitely correct it with my listeners. So I encouraged you last week that rather than focusing on focusing all of your attention on forgiving yourself, which for some of us is quite difficult because we feel like we have done some horrendous things, you know, rather than focusing on that, I strongly urged you to focus on and rest in the forgiveness that the Lord has given to, to us while we do our work. And I gave some things last week that you could think about. I talked about automatic negative thoughts and I provided practical strategies to combat them with a focus on cognitive restructuring. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, I tell you, it's not as boring as it sounds. I gave some really good information, if I must say so myself. If you're interested in it, I am strongly urging you to listen to last week's podcast if you are having any issues with self-forgiveness. God doesn't want you to be hung up on that. And I provided some stuff last week that can help you help set, set the captives free. So get free and check that episode out and do the work that I talked about if you recognize yourself in any of the scenarios that I described last week. So moving right along this week, you know, I struggled with what I would title this this week's episode. And I started to go with, um, well, I started to go with several things, but I decided to entitle it Weeping and Working. And so... Um, to start, I, I want to, I want to provide, um, a scripture to start us out. Second Corinthians four, eight, and nine, second Corinthians chapter four, verses eight and nine. And I'm just going to expound on it a little bit. And then I'll get into the next segment and, um, we'll just go a little, a little bit deeper. So second Corinthians four, verse eight and nine says, we are troubled on every side yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. So it is not God's intention for for us to be under distress 
But because we live in a fallen world, of course, we experience a lot of things that, you know, just are not of God. And so unfortunately for some of us, when we find ourselves in that troubled place, in those places of stress and distress or, you know, whatever word you want to put on it, um, we are not able to function or we lack motivation because it's just too much. And if that, if that's you, it's okay. It really is okay, but we can't stay there. So I'm going to provide some information today just to kind of get the wheels turning so that you can consider things from a different perspective. And you can also determine if you might need help working through some of the stressors or distress distressors that you have on you right now. And so this scripture says that we are troubled, which simply is talking about the trials and tribulations that we experience, but not distressed. In this scripture, distress means to be hemmed up, to be cramped. Um, it, it, It means to to cause us to feel hedged in or cooped up like lacking freedom. Like we don't have the freedom that we would ordinarily have because we are we are just we are we're heavy. We're heavy laden with with whatever it is that's stressing us out. And so, you know, why should we not be distressed? We should not be distressed because we can see help in God. We can see help from God and we have unlimited access to God. Those are reasons why and how. Why? Because we can we know that we have help in him and we know that we have help from him and how by gaining unlimited access to God, to being in his presence, to talking to him, to praying with him, to worshiping him. Like we we have unlimited access. And so knowing that we have that, the Lord is saying, you know, we can be troubled but he doesn't want us to be stressed. We can be perplexed, which means, I mean, and a lot of people didn't even know this, like perplexed. It's okay to doubt sometimes, you know, that's what being perplexed is to be at a loss and feel like you have no way out to feel uncertain and maybe have some anxiety in our minds. You know, all of those things are going to happen, but not in despair to be utterly at a loss is despair like to the degree that you become despondent, to be depressed or dejected in mind, low in spirit, to lose courage or sink by loss of hope. That's the despair. Uh, The scripture says we can be persecuted. I mean, and that, that is talking about being pursued for the sole purpose of causing us to suffer. So, so we, we will be persecuted, but just know that we're not forsaken, forsaken meaning to leave behind, in in that troubled place, in that perplexed place, in that persecuted place or cast down place. Like the Lord is not going to leave us there. His word says that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So he's not going to desert us in those difficult times. This scripture goes on to say that, yes, we will be cast down. You know, sometimes we're going to feel like we're down, like we've been thrown down, stepped on, walked on, chewed up. Sometimes you just feel that way. And life's circumstances cause those feelings But the word says that we are not destroyed. We may be cast down, but we are not destroyed. Meaning that we, we won't fully perish. We don't lose. We will not be ruined or annihilated or demolished because we have the Lord on our side. 
And so to further explain what I'm trying to say, I'm going to talk about David um, and I'm going to be coming right out of everything that I, I say from going forward um, is, is right out of the scriptures. Second, second Samuel chapter 15. And in this particular story is talking about when Absalom, David's son was pursuing David to kill him. He was angry with his father because um, David's firstborn son, Amnon, and I'm hoping I'm saying that correctly. Um, he, he raped uh, Absalom's full sister, Tamar. And Absalom did not feel like David punished him adequately. So Absalom took matters into his own hands and he slew his own brother. He killed his half brother. And so, you know, time went on and things happened. I can't go into all of it. Um, this whole story starts at around verse, I want to say like maybe 13 or 14 and it goes through, I'm sorry, chapter 13 or 14 and it goes through like 19, somewhere in there. But it's a very good story. And I encourage you to to read it. And so after some time passed after Amnon's um, uh, murder, uh, Absalom, he, he spearheaded a revolt against his father. And and that's where I'm going to pick up. And so I am going to pick up on and point out some things that David did during this time. And this was a difficult time for David. Because his own son, who he loved dearly, um, dethroned him and was literally out for his life. Uh, David felt betrayed by his son. He, he was betrayed by, by the people that he loved and led. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you more in the story. So I'm going to point out, let me see. I'm going to point out seven things that David did when he was under distress, when he was troubled, when he was perplexed, when he felt cast down, I'm going to point out some things that he did. So the first thing that I noticed that David did in second Samuel, um, ver chapter 15, verse 14 and 15, it says that he fled. And the, the, the verses say, uh, 13 says, Okay, I'm sorry. Verse 13 and 14, it says, and there came a messenger to David saying the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom, basically telling him that the people of Israel have sided with Absalom and they coming after you. And in verse 14, David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, he said, arise and let us flee. He went on to say that we can't escape Absalom and we need to get out of here quick. Because he's going to bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. So what I noticed that David did, he left the situation that was causing him the trouble or the distress. He left the situation. He removed himself from the situation that was trying to overtake him. And so, you know, with him being the king, he could have easily had too much pride to run. He could have he could have done a whole lot of things. But he made the decision that he knew was best for him and his people, and he left. And so what I'm saying to you is you need to seek the Lord 
on whether you should leave the situation that is causing you to feel trouble, stress, distress, or, you know, I'm going to use those words interchangeably. Should you leave the situation? David decided to leave. And for some of us, God is giving us instructions like, listen, this is not good for you. This relationship is not good for you. This job is not good for you. This, you know, going to these kinds of functions are not good for you. They're causing you stress and you need to leave. You need to flee the situation. You need to flee the relationship. And a lot of us aren't doing that. We're not listening. A lot of us are not in the position to leave. You know, physically, we cannot separate ourselves from certain situations. You know, it could be because we live with someone or we're living in an environment that's just a little bit toxic or we can't leave our job because, you know, that's how we make our money. All of that is understood. But what I am urging you to do is seek the Lord on what you are supposed to be doing. And when he gives you instructions, he is going to give you the resources to be able to follow the directions that he gives you. So you need to consider, do you need to flee the situation, relationship or whatever that is causing you the stress? So that's one thing that I noticed that David did. David said, I'm out. And he was the king and he removed himself from the situation. The second thing that I noticed that David did, he dwelled in a far off place. So he left and he went to a far off place that you can find that in verse 17 of chapter 15. All of this is coming out of second Samuel, Samuel chapter 15, verse 17 says, and the king went forth and all the people after him and they tarried in a place that was far off. That word tarry is to abide, to dwell, to be still. It kind of reminded me of that, that scripture that talks about he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow, under the protection of the almighty. So, um, you know, when we leave the situation, some of us leave and God gives us the resources to leave. And then we go right back into the situation. We go right back to it, to it. And these situations are draining us. They're draining us. They're draining our motivation. They're draining us and stopping us from being able to do the work that we're supposed to be doing. So listen, one thing that I didn't mention, um, hence is where I got the topic from, the title from, uh, the title of Weeping and Working, is that all while David was going through this, he was still operating in his position. He was still the king. You have to read the chapter for yourself. He was still giving orders. He was still figuring things out. He was still leading the people. Even while he was under this, this, this difficult time in his life. So, you know, I, I get it. Sometimes we go through things where we just have to sit down, like where we are paralyzed and we can't do certain things, but we don't have to be in that state. We can be going through our trouble and still doing the things that God has called us to do. And why was he able to do that? Because he followed the instructions of the Lord. He allowed himself to feel all of what he was feeling, but he was still able to function. He was weeping and working. He was grieving and working. He was doing all of the things that he was supposed to be doing. So the first thing I noticed that he did is that he fled 
The second thing is that when he did flee, he didn't rush right back into it. He didn't go right back to where he left. He stayed where God told him to stay. And it was a a far off place. It was a distant place. Sometimes we have to put distance, space between the people or situations that are causing us distress. And that's a little bit scary sometimes to put distance between people that we may love or people that we feel like we need. But this is all about you getting to a place of healing and experiencing peace and a better quality of life. And sometimes you have to walk away. It may not be forever, but you have to follow God's instructions and be willing to leave the situation and to dwell in a far off place. Right? So those are the first two. The third thing that um, he was, he, I noticed that David did is he tarried in a desert place. Not only did he tarry, it wasn't like he went from his palace to another palace. He was in the plain of the wilderness. As you will see in verse 28, it says, see, I will tarry in the plain, which is like a desert place of the wilderness until there, until there come word from you to certify me. And so a lot of us go running back to bad situations that are stressing us out because we're in a desert place. We're in a dry place. We've left what is familiar. We have to tarry in this unfamiliar place for, you know, until God says we can leave and go somewhere else. And sometimes the unfamiliar place that we are expected to tarry in, it's dry. It feels desolate. It feels like the wilderness. And David said, I will tarry in the plain of the wilderness until there come word from you to certify me word from his trusted priest, his close companions that he sent back to investigate. He, he, he said, I'm going to stay in this desert place until you come back and tell me how I should proceed. So he sent Zadok or Zadok, who was a seer. Zadok was a wise man who was sent to gain intelligence on the enemies Absalom and all of his his folks who were plotting and planning against David. Um, Zadok was a he was a discerner. And so that stuck out to me, too. Like, who are you trusting? Who are you talking to when you are in your most stressful or distressed places? Who are you seeking advice from? I need you to think about that. You know, are you seeking advice from people who know the Lord, who are going to offer you good counsel? Or are you talking to people who are in just, uh, you know, they're they're in a place that's just as dry as yours and they're seeking other things to get through it. So we have to be careful of who we are talking to. Who are you confiding in? Who's doing your bidding? Whose advice are you listening to when you're in the desert place, when you're in the wilderness? So. Not only was was David willing to tarry in the desert place, he was also very conscious of who he sent to do the work that needed to be done. Because remember, David was still working. He was still kinging. (laughs) He was still being King David. He was being King David. And so so he was weeping and you'll see where he where he was weeping. I'm, I'm getting to that. He was weeping while he was working. 
And we can do that too, sisters. We can. If we follow some of these same steps that David, you know, did when he was in this place. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing that I noticed is that David went up into the mountain. He didn't go down into the valley. He went up into the mountain. And although it didn't say that, I believe that that's that's a mindset. You know, like, let me go higher. Let me look up. Let me walk up. Let me go up this mountain. He could have done something different. He could have gone down into the valley. But he chose to walk up. That 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 I mean, that is so symbolic. Like when we are in these places that that are desolate or, you know, where we are struggling with some things where we're feeling stressed and heavy and and we have we're perplexed, we are feeling cast down and all of those different things. Are you going up? Have you made the decision to go up or have you made the decision to go down and hear me what I'm saying? It is a choice. And I know that wasn't good English, but it's okay. I'm going to say it again. Hear me what I'm saying. We have a choice. And ladies, I'm telling you, I don't always make the the right choice. For me, um, I talked about automatic negative thoughts last week. I really struggle with that. I struggle with ants. And I struggle with ants because of the things that I've been through. And so it's a constant, I have to constantly make sure that I am making um, decisions to go up and not go down because ants will pull you down in the, in, in the valley. You know, it, it'll send you into a dark, a dark place. As a matter of fact, I had a situation today that happened in our family and my husband and I were talking about my son and I automatically went negative. How I saw things were, was all was negative. My stomach was all tied up. You know, I had some anxiety and it was just a hot mess. And my husband looked at me. My husband's name is Danny, y'all. So Danny looked at me and said, uh, I mean, and it, it kind of made me mad. He looked at me and was like, how, how did you come to that conclusion? He said, let me tell you how I see it. And all his stuff was all positive. And I always tell him, I mean, I mean, I'm going to tell you, and I get into it like I, it's so ungodly sometimes. I'm like, how did you come up with, how did you come up with that? Like sometimes I'll even say to him, like, you always trying to see things. I'm just too embarrassed to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. You always trying to see things from the positive side. Like you need to, you know, see things for what they are. Now, what kind of sense does that make as a Christian for me to be talking about or getting angry or frustrated with him? Because he's, (laughs) I got to laugh at myself because he is choosing to see things from a more positive perspective. So even though David was upset, David chose to go up the mountain, go up. And he did some things while he was on the way. So I don't, I don't want you to miss it. He says that in verse 30, I'm still in second Samuel um, chapter 15. Now I'm looking at verse 30. I'm telling you this, 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 this chapter of second Samuel 15, it has so many nuggets in it. So when you have time, like read, read the whole chapter through um, chapter 19, it says, and David went up by the ascent, by the ascent of Mount Olivet. So he went up, he went up. And so the fifth thing that David did while he was going up, this is the continuation. He went up 
and he wept. He wept. He allowed himself to feel. He allowed himself to feel all that he was feeling while being faced with this, with this situation. A lot of times we are made to feel as Christians that we can't feel. That is just not true. It's not true. David felt it. If you read further into verse 30, it says, um, and David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up and had his head covered and he went barefoot and all the people that was with him covered every man his head and they went up weeping as they went up. So sisters, let me tell you, let me tell you something. Free yourself from all of this hogwash telling you that you are not allowed to feel you are, you're allowed to feel, but the point, the place that we want to get to is where we are not allowing our feelings to control us. And sometimes that's difficult. So if you are in a situation where your feelings are controlling you, I always say no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. It is simply recognizing that you have that tendency. And I have to claim, I have to own that. Sometimes my feelings control me and I am a woman of God and I teach the word and I sing his praises and I'm a therapist. So I have the training. I know what to tell the people about automatic negative thoughts and distorted thoughts and not letting your feelings control you. I, I, I know all of that stuff, but guess what? I still struggle. I do indeed. I'm just telling you the truth. I struggle. It's a battle for me. And it's because of the things that I've been through. And I thank God I'm winning. I am winning. You know, whether or not I still have my, my episodes with battling with it, I'm winning. I'm so much further along than I used to be. So don't beat yourself because you're not where sister so-and-so is or because sister so-and-so looks like she has it all cranked up and she may, and I'm happy for her, but I don't want you to become discouraged because you still struggle in certain areas. You know what I mean? So um, David, he, he shows us here that you can weep. But sisters, while he was weeping, he was still working. And that's the point that I want us to get to. Like, we can't lay down to it. We can't let all of our responsibilities begin to slip through the cracks. And as a therapist, I must say that there are situations. There are situations where some of us have been through trauma and we just we can't do any better right now. And if that's you, don't give up. Don't give up and don't, you know, don't get despondent because you just don't have the wherewithal right now. Like I said last week, get the help that you need. People are out there that can help you. But for those of us that are not in in that severe trauma state and we're able to still get some things done, I am telling you, we can weep while we work. The work still needs to get done, right? So verse 30, I'm going to read it again. It said, and David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up. Oh man, he went up. Number four, I said he went up. 
He could have gone down into the valley, but he chose to go up. And number five, I said, while he was going up, he wept. The sixth thing that I saw that David did is he grieved and he prayed. I mean, that thing with this situation with Absalom, it got really thick. It got messy. So in verse 31, it says, and, and one told David saying, okay, now I hope I, I know I'm gonna mess this name up, but I'm gonna try anyway. Ahithophel spelled A-H-I-T-H-O-P-H-E-L. I think I did pretty good. Ahithophel. Okay. That's the best I can do. It says, and one told David saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. So what I need you to know is that Ahithophel was one of David's closest confidants. He was his counsel. Have you ever been hurt by one of your closest friends? One of your closest friends. That thing really hurt David. But what did he do? He prayed. He said a quick prayer. He didn't go into this long prayer. All he said was, oh, Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And what he was actually saying was he was acknowledging that Ahithophel knew everything about David. He knew David's comings and goings. He knew his strategies. He knew all of that because he was like his right hand man. And because Ahithophel had had um, sided with Absalom, he knew that now Ahithophel was going to be advising Absalom on how to de defeat David. So David's prayer was really simple. He just said, Lord, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. In other words, whatever he says to David, I mean, to Absalom, turn it into foolishness. Now, let me tell you something about me. Ooh, and I might be saying too much, but he, he, I'm saying anyway. So a lot of times when people, <laughs> when people do things to us, we pray some rotten prayers about them. You know, I wasn't one of those ones and I ain't asked God to kill nobody. I, I, I promise you, I ain't asked him to kill anybody, but I did used to say, Lord, get them. I did. I did. Like if I was really hurt, like, Lord, make them feel like I need them to feel this one. Lord, please get them and let them know that it's because of what they did to me. <laughs> okay. I'm tripping off myself. I know that that is not godly. I'm just being truthful. I used to say that, like, get them Lord. And, and, and when I'm looking at David's example, David did not pray against a Heathophel. He did not. He, he simply asked God. He was very specific. He said, Lord, please turn his counsel into foolishness. And he left it right there. So when we pray for people, we have to make sure that our prayers are godly. We can't get stuck in bitterness and wishing ill will against people. That's just not right. Keisha, I'm talking to myself. I don't do that no more either. I was, I was young in Christ then. I don't, I don't do that anymore. Okay. Well maybe sometimes, but we're not supposed to. So be careful and make sure that your prayers are godly prayers and that you still want goodness. And I know it's hard. You still want goodness for the people that are hurting you because guess why? They are children of the Lord as well. 
So the sixth thing is that while he was grieving, he prayed. He prayed for someone who hurt him dearly. He prayed for him. And the seventh thing that I saw that David did is he worshiped. Verse 32 says, and it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshiped God. So that doesn't mean that he was out of the place. He was still in that place. He, he was still troubled. He still had a lot going on. He was a he was a weeping, working, grieving king. And he was also a praying king and a worshiping king, even while he was in this difficult space. So those are the seven things that I want you to think about, sisters, and I'm, I'm going to go back over them. The first thing is that when you're in your troubled place, your distressed place, your cast down place, your persecuted place, flee. If God is telling you to flee and get away from it, flee. The second, the second thing is wherever God sends you, tarry there. Like the scripture says, stay there, stay there. Dwell in that far off place. The third thing, he was willing to stay to tarry in a desert land, you know, meaning that it was an uncomfortable place. It didn't have all of the comforts that he was probably used to, but he was willing to stay there. That's where the work took place. You know, I talked about work last week. He was willing to tarry in the desert place. Verse 28 says he was willing to tarry in the plain of the wilderness. So sometimes we're going to feel like we're in that desert place in the wilderness. We have to tarry there. The fourth thing, he went up. He did not go down into the valley. He went up the mountain. The fifth thing is he wept. He wept. He allowed himself to feel, to experience his feelings. The sixth thing is that even though he was going through all of this and he was betrayed by one of his closest confidants, he prayed for that person. He prayed. And the seventh thing is that he worshiped. So make sure that when you find yourself in the troubled place, make sure that you flee, that you, that you, you tarry or you dwell. Make sure that you're willing to stay in the uncomfortable place. Make sure that you go up and not down. Make sure that you allow yourself to feel your feelings and make sure that you pray and don't forget to worship. So I'm encouraging you to read this whole story. Um, I, I, I want to say, and I wish I had noted this, it's either, it starts at like between 13 and 14 and it goes through 19. Um, I just started today at 15. So even if you read chapter 15 through 19, you have got to read the, the whole story because in the end, in chapter 18, you will learn that um, David was restored. He was fully restored. Absalom was murdered and David grieved his son, the son that was trying to murder him. David still grieved him. So a lot of us are grieving um, for people and relationships that have hurt us tremendously and it's causing us a lot of distress. It's okay. It's okay. David grieved Absalom, even though Absalom was pursuing him to kill him. So just do your work. Just work through it. And if you need help, get the help that you need. As a mental health therapist, I have to say that. 
get the help that you need if you need it. It's okay. And so I'm going to close with a prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for giving me this word, God, and I pray that my sisters, my sisters will receive it. Father, a lot of us are under a lot of stress. We're troubled. We're distressed. We're perplexed. We feel cast down. We feel like we're about to be destroyed. Father, help us not to forget that you have not left us. You have not forsaken us and that we can cast all of our cares on you. Help us to remember, Father, that you care for us. We thank you, O Lord, for giving us the wherewithal to evaluate where we are and to get the help that we need first from you and from others that you have placed in our path, God, so that we can work. We can do the work that you've called us to do, even if we are working and weeping, weeping and working. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. So um, I invite you to visit my website to learn more about me and to get connected. Shoot me an email and share your thoughts about this episode or other episodes. If you want to stay up to date on what's going on on the show, subscribe and follow me on your favorite podcast app. I encourage you to um, rate and review me in the app as this helps spread the word and grow my listenership. Please, please, please feel free to share my podcast with everyone in your world that you think will benefit from this very timely content. I, I, I really thank you for tuning in and I look forward to sharing with you again next week. Until then, peace and love.